Hallelujah. Before we get into the teaching, what we want to do, and we've got an hour, and I want to stretch this tonight a little bit just so that Michelle can do, can give as much sugar into your children as humanly possible. No, <laughs> before we give them back to you. But she has a good little program and stuff. But we're talking about the Holy Ghost. Amen? And we're talking about the baptism of the Holy Ghost. And I was asking the guys in the office today, I said, so how many, well, let me just do it with you. How many of you got born again, and then there was a period of time until you got actually baptized in the Holy Spirit? Okay, some of you don't know. That's scary, okay? Let's try that again. How many of you got born again, but then there was a period of time that you went before you got baptized in the Holy Ghost? All right, I need like five of you to come up here. Come on. One, two, three, four. Come on, Mom. You have a good one. This was... That's good. So what I want you to do... First, everybody say hi. Hi. First thing I want you to do is I want you to tell us what your life was like being born again without the Holy Ghost, and then what happened with your life after you got baptized with the Holy Ghost. Hold that mic up. Okay. I got born again when I was eight years old, so I didn't, have, I didn't have much need, in my opinion, of the Holy Ghost at that time. Didn't know anything about it anyway. If I had a need for it, I couldn't have done anything about it. So once I got to be an adult, married adult with children, that's when I realized I needed more than what I had. <laughs> yes. So I was at work one night, and um, I was getting off, and it was probably close to midnight thereabout. And we had this guy, I've been dying to give this testimony. We had this guy at work, not literally, but uh, we had this guy at work that was security. And he had just gotten out of the Navy. He was the cleanest man I've ever seen in my life. He just was, it was just something unconditionally clean about him. But he was just on fire. So, um, and so I had been talking with him because I was going through things, you know, just going through things. But uh, so this one particular night, he says, you don't have any power. He said, you're just going in a circle because you don't have any power. So I said, okay. I believed him because he was a Christian and I trusted him. He said, you need power from the Holy Ghost. You need the Holy Ghost inside of you. I, I've been Baptist all my days. I didn't know I needed that. So um, he said, let's hold hands and pray. And, the, and I was getting in the car, so I was on the interior of the car door, and he was on the exterior of the car do door. So we prayed, and he says, now you got the power. Now demonstrate it. And I start speaking in tongues. Ooh, it was no repetition, no any of that. It just flew out. Yep. Love it. Steven? Uh, I guess to some extent, somewhat similar in the beginning. Got saved when I was about seven or eight or so. Um, and then sometime later in college. So basically it was, I knew I was saved. I knew I had God and, you know, that whole thing and everything. But it was just kind of more or less going through the motions to some extent, like going to church. It didn't, I will say it didn't help that the church I was going to and did, grew up in didn't, they didn't preach against the Holy Ghost. They just didn't talk about him at all. Yeah. And so all that to say in college, I went to Old Roberts University. Thank you, Lord. <laughs> Learned a lot about it there. And then was in a, I don't remember exactly what it was. It was some sort of uh, conference thing they had on campus. And um, at one point in that conference, they had people come up and there I received the Holy Ghost mm -hmm. evidence of speaking in tongues. And since then it's, I would say it's, I have more of a, I can connect to God, I feel like a little more That's rather good. than it being God's up there, I'm down here. Yeah. It's, you know, That's God great. inside of you. Perfect, perfect. I grew up Catholic, so, um, but I always knew I had a connection with God. My parents had this big blue Bible that never, no one ever read. <laughs> but even as a kid, I would try to read it. So I kind of knew the Bible even as a kid because I would try to read the Bible. But even <laughs> through my teenage years, I would sometimes look at Christian TV. So I'm sure I got born again like 50 times before I actually knew I was born again. And then in my, in my 20s though, um, I was working at this um, health facility and I met this lady. And she invited me to her church. And that's when, you know, I got baptized with water. 
But I didn't get baptized with the Holy Spirit until years later. And I remember being jealous of people who could speak in tongues. I'm like, I'm supposed to be doing that, you know. Yeah. I'm a child. I want to do that, you know. And I would pray about that. And then <laughs> um, Mike Murdoch, I don't know if y'all know him. He yeah. was having a meeting. And me and my daughter went to the meeting. And um, his, the person that would open up for him, Tony McCrary, he's an evangelist. He um, began to speak to me, and he was asking me, do you know how to speak in tongues? I was like, no, I've always wanted to do that. And so he was like, okay. He said, just um, take uh, three deep breaths. I'm going to count them. On the third breath, just begin to start speaking in faith. It's going to sound like gibberish, but it's going to be your, your holy language. And I did that. And ever since then, I've been leading people in the same way, into yeah. speaking. That's so good. Yeah. Great job. <laughs> Okay, well, I got saved at home reading a book, and I got born again, and then I had some friends that we'd all gotten born again that same year, and they told me that I wasn't, uh, because I didn't speak in tongues, I didn't get tongues for five years after I got born again, and they told me I wasn't even saved because I didn't speak in other tongues, and I thought, well, that's not right because I know I'm saved. I had a, I had a, a relationship with the Lord that it was strong. And, um, but I wanted to speak in other tongues because I, I just wanted that really bad. And I would even go into my bed, into the bedroom, get on my knees and say, he said, open your mouth and I'll fill it. So I opened my mouth and it, nothing came out. But, um, so five years I sought after that and I finally got tired of, I just got tired of feeling lesser than and working on it and all of that. I said, Lord, if you want me to have that, I want it, but I'm not going to worry about it anymore. And the, the organist at the Methodist Church tampered with people at her prayer group that she had at her house. So I was invited to that prayer group, and I went, and um, here I'm exhausted just trying to find the Holy Spirit and speak in other tongues. And she came up to me and said, do you speak in other tongues? And I thought, oh, here we go again. I said, no, I don't, but I feel like I'm, are you filled with this? I feel like I'm filled with the Spirit, but I don't speak in other tongues if that's what you're asking. She said, well, could I pray for you? And I said, Lord, if it'll make her feel better. <laughs> she, could, she could pray for me, but I've been through this. And she said, say this after me, after she prayed for me. And she gave me two, two words just in her prayer language. And so I said them after her, and she said, okay. And so I went on home. Well, the next morning she called me to see how I was doing and said, um, she gave me her testimony that she only received one word when she got filled with the Spirit. And she said to the Lord, Lord, when you get tired of hearing this, you'll have to give me more. <laughs> so I thought, well, gosh, I didn't know you could just get one word. I thought you had to just take off, you know. And so I thought, what were those words that she gave me? And they just came right back to me uh, in my mind. So I said them out loud. And it's like, you know, I hope nobody's listening to this. This sounds so weird. <laughs> And that day, I remember going to pick up my kids from school and just practicing in the car and speaking in tongues. And, and the devil said to me, that sounds so stupid. And the Lord said right behind him, but it sure sounds sweet to me. Amen. <laughs> That's good. Yes, I was saved at 12 years old. At the age of 12, you know, I accept Jesus Christ as my Savior, fall out on the ground, all that. Then I didn't stay in the faith because I wanted to baptize, but they told me I was too young then. So time goes on, goes on. I came to America, and I get baptized. I get baptized, and I went home to Jamaica. They have a tent meeting. I went to the tent meeting, and the man was preaching. He was preaching the tent down, and he swung his jacket, and a whole lot of people fell out. And I stand up there with my hand full. And I have a conversation with God. I say, God, you want to tell me if you appear right now, all those people on the ground will be caught up with you and I'll leave standing with the rest of people standing here? <laughs> I, I say, you need to show me the God in who I serve. I want to know if this man doing the right thing or something. I was having a conversation all by myself with God. And the next thing I know, I feel like a wind. Like a tornado wind. It just come like a... And when I get to my senses, I was down on the front with everybody else on the ground. And I get up fussing 
Trust me, I was fussing. I was like, why did y'all bring me down here? They said, oh, no, we didn't. I said, but I was, they said, no, you run down here. I get up, go home, wasn't speaking in tongues or anything. Woke up in the morning, and my sister said to me, sis, you have the Holy Ghost. I said, no. She said, yes. You were speaking in your sleep, but then my tongue feel like I bit it all up. And I'm like, what are you talking about? I went to the restroom, come back, sit down to watch a TV, and my stomach start grumbling like this. And I'm like, oh. and the next thing I know, I just start speaking. Wow. So that's how I get it. I get my name asleep. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Hallelujah. So, you know, the whole purpose of that is to show that, yeah, when we got what we talked about last Sunday, when we get born again, we get the Holy Spirit because it's the Holy Spirit that comes in us, that refines us, that sanctifies us. He cleans us out. He makes our heart ready so that the King of Kings and Lord of Lords has something worthy enough to live in. The Bible says that we are the temple of what? The Holy Spirit. So his presence dwells within us. But there is a subsequent event that takes place in a believer's life called the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And, and what I've gathered from everybody that I've talked to today was, is yes, when you get born again, there's a, we know that we're saved, right? Everybody that knew that you knew that you were saved without the baptism. But it seemed like you were just almost, and, and this is, I, I don't want this to come across um, in any other way other than just trying to just state it accurately. But it seems like that it's like a limited life. There, there's limits. Amen? For people to go through their whole life just saved but not baptized in the Holy Spirit, it's going to take an enormous amount of work. Because you're having to work so much on your own to try and produce what the Holy Spirit can do for us. Does that make sense? So when we get the baptism of the Holy Spirit, when we get endued, what the Bible says, clothed with power from on high, there are so many, it would be, it would be um, foolish of me to try and get up here and try and pigeonhole, no pun intended, every, what the Holy Spirit is and what He does and what He can do and what He can't do. I would never in a million years even uh, try. I can just tell you from a little bit from myself of, of what he's done. I found out this whole new, the Holy Spirit in restoration. He is the spirit of restoration in us, the Holy Ghost. Amen. I was sitting in my office and when I was talking and thinking about these meetings for October, in my mind, I'm thinking we're going to have little mini Tracy Harris meetings on these Tuesday nights. We're going to come in here and we're going to pray in tongues and we're going to you know, we're going to prophesy and we're going to run and word of wisdom and word of knowledge and all that. And uh, that's coming. But that's not what this month was about. Amen. We have got to set a foundation for the Holy Spirit first. See, I want to go to the roof. Amen. I want to go to the mountaintop. But unless we have an education on what the Holy Spirit is and what he's not, when he begins to move, how do we distinguish what's right and what's wrong? Because if we just say, well, when somebody falls out in the ground, that's the Holy Spirit, we've missed it. Because that's not one of the gifts of the Spirit is falling down on the ground. <laughs> Folks, I have caught an entire believers convention before from behind. An entire believers convention, a healing school on a Saturday morning with Gloria Copeland. I have caught, I have caught thousands of people. And I would dare say that most of them that went down got back up the exact same way. Because we turned that thing into a doctrine as to whether the Holy Spirit was moving or not. You know what the Lord said to me? I'm sitting in my office and I'm like, Lord, where's the power? Where's the anointing? And he said, it's almost like he put a mirror in front of my face. And he said, Jack, your life is unrecognizable to where it was 28 years ago. You are unrecognizable as to where you were before the Holy Spirit and where you are now. Now, I want the gifts of the Spirit in operation, and they are in operation. They're operating right now. 
and I want the fruit of the Spirit operating. But I want us to be educated on what the Holy Spirit is, who He is, amen, and what He's not. Because we got to have faith to attach it to. Amen? Listen to me. The Holy Spirit is not speaking in tongues, and tongues is not the baptism of the Holy Spirit. We're trying to shove everything into these two things, and that's not. Speaking in tongues is the initial evidence. Amen? If Robin's got... Oh, gosh, I'm going to do this. I'm going to get... Is that empty? And that's full. Okay. So I have one full bottle and I have one empty bottle. All right, so I'm going to pour. Is it full? Is it full? Is it full? Is it full? Sorry, I'm wasting all our water. I'm using all, but it's got lipstick on it. I'm just kidding. When are we full? That's when we start speaking in tongues. When we get full, we keep taking drinks, we keep taking drinks, we keep taking drinks. When I get full, that's when I overflow. That's when I start speaking in tongues. Does that make sense? For some people, you were like, my dad's testimony, greatest testimony in the world of getting baptized in the Holy Spirit. I want it. I went. Don't preach to me. Lay your hands on me. I got it. Laid hands on him. He got it. My mom's completely different. God was doing something different with her. She was taking little, every time she did it, she was taking a little drink. Till finally she got full and then it overflows and then we begin speaking in other tongues. Amen. But don't limit the Holy Spirit just to speaking in tongues. That's the initial evidence. That's not where it stops. That's just where it begins. Amen. The baptism of the Holy Spirit in the Bible, it took ordinary people and thrust them in doing miraculous things for God. It enclosed them. It empowered them to do people just like you and me. There were no special people in the Bible. Amen. God took ordinary people, got saved, put his spirit upon them, and they changed the world. Amen. Can we do that still today? Is the power any less? Has it, has it lessened? Is the Holy Spirit still in the earth? Amen. Then what we have to do is we got to pour ourselves out so that he can pour more of us, more of him in. Amen. Mark chapter 1. And I'm thoroughly impressed with this crowd that you came to church on Game 7 on the World Series tonight. I am thoroughly impressed. Give yourselves a big hand. Now it has nothing to do that my wife had candy back there for your children or anything, right? Had nothing to do with that. We did not do that on purpose. But we should have, because that was a brilliant idea. So we're talking about, first and foremost, Jesus getting baptized in the Holy Spirit. Amen? Mark chapter 1, verses 9 and 10. It says, In those days Jesus came from Nazareth of Galilee and was baptized by John in the Jordan. And we, he, when he came up out of the water at once, he, John, saw the heavens torn open... And the Holy Spirit, like a dove, coming down to enter into him. Now, if it was important enough for Jesus, who is God, to get baptized with the Holy Spirit, how important is it for us? If God thought it was so important for his own son, himself, to get baptized in the Holy Spirit, how much more important is it for us? Amen? Now, there's some key phrases in this verse that I want to go over, and I have a lot of little definitions and stuff tonight, and if we don't finish, we don't finish. But number one, why was Jesus being baptized? What sins had he committed? Why was he getting baptized? Jesus hadn't done anything wrong, had he? 
No, not a bit. He was doing it as an example for us. First, he's giving legitimacy to John's ministry. Amen? Amen. Well, the minute he allowed himself to be baptized by John, he made John legitimate in what he was doing. Amen? In front of all the Pharisees, in front of all the people. What happened when John did that set John apart forever. Has anybody else been to a baptism where the skies were torn apart and angels and God spoke? Anybody else? That's a one of a kind deal. <clears throat> so it really kind of set John apart. Number two, it was a dedication of Jesus to his own ministry. And I don't have time to get into it. We've talked about it before, but John was the true high priest at that time. And what John was really doing is he would bat was baptizing Jesus, who was going to be the new high priest. Well, how do you know that? Because when the Pharisees questioned Jesus, did the baptism of John come from heaven or for earth? Jesus told him exactly what he said. He said, if you don't answer this, he said, well, the baptism of John. He answered one of the questions, excuse me, with John is the baptism. And what he was really just trying to tell them was, is that John was baptizing me and setting me up as the new high priest. But uh, that's, that's a different teaching for a different time. So, if the Father thought that the baptism of the Holy Spirit was important enough for Jesus, who was God, how about us? Another thing, and it says, and the Spirit came down descending upon him like a dove. How many of us were born and believed that the Holy Spirit was a dove? The Holy Spirit is not a dove. Amen? The Holy Spirit, it says, like a dove. Like a dove. There's a very, very big difference. Very quickly, let me show you something in 2 Kings. 2 Kings. And this is the story of Elijah and Elisha. And uh, Elijah knew that his day was up. Matter of fact, everybody knew that Elijah's day was about done and that he was about to be taken into heaven. And Elisha... Uh, he asked Elijah for his mantle. And Elijah says, well, if you see me going up, then you'll receive what you're asking for. 2 Kings chapter 2, verse 13. Beginning actually in verse 11, it says, It says, as they still went on and talked, behold, a chariot of fire and horses of fire parted the two of them. Elijah went up by whirlwind into heaven. And Elisha saw it and cried, My father, my father, the chariot of Israel and its horsemen. And he saw him no more. And he took hold of his own clothes and tore them in two pieces. And he took up the mantle of Elijah that fell from him and went back and stood by the bank of the Jordan. If you were to take a mantle or a cloth from 400 feet in the air and drop it, what would it look like coming down? It would look like a bird. Amen. That's the same picture of what happened when Jesus got baptized in the Holy Spirit in the Jordan River. Amen. The Holy Spirit, just like Elijah's mantle came down, and Elisha is a picture of Elijah. He did double the miracles of what Elijah did. Jesus is the double portion. That mantle comes down just like Elijah's mantle and comes upon Jesus. So it came down like a dove. It's not a dove. Sorry about that. Amen. But most importantly, in Mark chapter 1, verse 10, what the Holy Spirit does is it empowers Jesus for ministry. Now, was Jesus already sinless? Was Jesus already all God? But yet he was still missing one thing before he started his three-year ministry. And what was that? The baptism of the Holy Spirit. He needed the power. Look, each and every one of us need the baptism of the Holy Spirit to start the ministry that God's given to us. I don't, I don't, if I'm going to sell cars, I want the baptism of the Holy Spirit to go sell cars. If I'm a school teacher, I need the baptism of the Holy Spirit to empower me before I go teach, my, teach those kids. Amen? If we would start each day, Benny Hinn had a great book, great book called Good Morning Holy Spirit. Anybody ever read it? fantastic book starting each and every day by getting up in the morning and saying good morning Holy Spirit that is something that each and every one of us needs to start doing to acknowledge him first and foremost right when we get up every day kiss your significant other 
Tell them good morning. If they're still asleep, good morning, Holy Spirit. Amen? Start each and every day. Listen to me. All these people that we read, all these Kenyon, Brother Hagen, Oral Roberts, um, um, Shambach, um, who's the other one I like? Smith Wigglesworth. All of these great writers were, and they talk about faith and they talk about healing, but each one of them had a very unique relationship with the Holy Spirit first. Out of their unique relationship with the Holy Ghost came some of these wonderful revelations about healing, these wonderful revelations about faith, these wonderful revelations about righteousness. But each one of these men and women, Catherine Kuhlman, um, some of these, there's just so many of them, but each and every one of them, they knew the Holy Spirit personally. And not just the abiding faith, Holy Spirit. They knew the Pentecostal. They knew the Acts chapter 2 to be enclosed with power from on high to do miraculous things for God. They didn't work these things up. They would not even go out on stage unless they knew that the Holy Spirit was with them. There are story after story of men that were in meetings like this and the speaker wasn't there and they'd send somebody to go find the speaker. And that speaker would still be in the room. And they'd say, it's time for you to speak. And they're like, I ain't leaving this room. I am not walking out of this room until I sense that the Holy Spirit is ready. Benny Hinn was like that. Catherine Kuhlman was like that. Because it became so precious. Listen to me. I've heard so many men and women say to live two seconds under the anointing is greater than any of the riches in the whole world. To, to be in that liquid glory of God, endued with power on high with the Holy Spirit, is the single most precious, wonderful thing that there is in the world. Amen? And we have to make a place for the Holy Spirit in our lives. Amen? We have to make a place for Him in our lives. <clears throat> Excuse me. The purpose of the baptism or one of the purposes of the baptism of the Holy Spirit is to empower us as a witness and to anoint us for service. My, my greatest example of somebody before the Holy Spirit and after the Holy Spirit, and we talked about it last week a little bit, was Peter. Peter walked with Jesus. Peter was chosen, right, by Jesus to be a disciple? Yes? Yes? He saw every miracle that Jesus ever did. He ate with Jesus. He saw him behind the scenes. Was there every time Jesus did anything. Was right there. But yet when Jesus was taken by Pontius Pilate to be tried, Peter still denied him three times. Yes? Acts chapter 2, Peter's in the upper room. Gets endued, gets power, gets the Holy Ghost in his life. He's the first one out now preaching in Jerusalem and 3,000 people get saved. He's preaching Jesus, but not the Jesus that he knew in the flesh. He's now the Jesus that he knew in the spirit. And 3,000 people get saved. What happened? He got endued with power to be a witness for him. Amen? The Holy Spirit will give you boldness. Amen? Amen? That's what he's there for. <clears throat> and it's always funny to me, the Holy Spirit kind of affects people opposite of their personality type. You know, if it's a real boisterous or a real loud person, it makes them cry and sob. Somebody like Jerry Pierce, who's not here tonight, so we'll pick on him. Jerry's the quietest man in the whole church. But what happens when Jerry gets filled with the Holy Ghost? You hear somebody yell. And if you're a visitor, sorry, but yes, that's Jerry yelling. That's the Holy Ghost. Amen. Jerry gets so full of the Holy Ghost, he just lets out this yell. That's how we know that the Holy Spirit's moving is because Jerry yells. No, that's not true. Luke chapter 24. Everybody good? Amen. <clears throat> Luke chapter 24. Verse 49. And this is Jesus, and he's speaking to his disciples. This is after his death, burial, and resurrection. He's appeared to his disciples for 40 days, and he's getting ready to ascend to heaven. And he shares these, actually, these three or four verses with them. 
beginning in verse 46. He says, And said to them, Thus it is written that the Christ, the Messiah, should suffer and on the third day rise from among the dead, and that repentance with a view to and as the condition of forgiveness of sins should be preached in his name to all nations, beginning from Jerusalem. You are witness of these things. Verse 49. And behold, I will send forth upon you what my Father has promised, but remain in the city of Jerusalem until you're clothed with power from on high. He told them to tarry in Jerusalem. Now that word promise, it simply means it's a legal term that refers to an officially sanctioned promise. So let me ask you this. Has God ever broken a promise? Is there any promise of God that was in the Old Testament, promise of God, that's not in the New Testament? Promise. Promise. I'm not talking about laws and those types of things. Things changed. I'm talking about promises. When God makes a promise, it's a promise forever. Amen. It's for eternity. God doesn't has to give a... He wouldn't give us a promise to one group of people knowing that he was going to have to break that promise for the next group of people. He didn't give one promise to the Old Testament and another promise to the New Testament. He just made it a better promise for the New Testament. He gave the best that he could to the Old Testament under that covenant, but he said, I got so much more than I'm going to give to the New Testament. I'm going to take that promise, put it on steroids, give it to you, and you're going to love it. I'm going to give you this giant promise, and you're going to absolutely love it. So see, and that's just another thing about the Holy Spirit. When I see words like promise and gift and those types of things, there's nothing in that that makes me think that it was something that was going to pass away. The Holy Spirit. How many of you were taught that the Holy Spirit passed away with the book of Acts or with the apostles? Anybody taught that? A lot of people believe that it passed away, but with, numerically that doesn't even line up because there were so many people that got baptized with the Holy Spirit, it just went on and on and on and on. How many people were taught that tongues was of the devil? Where did that come from? Thank you. Amen. I've used this example before. Did anybody get saved out of some stuff? Some stuff. All right. I got saved out of some stuff. I've been in some of the nastiest places with some of the nastiest people doing some of the nastiest things. Amen? Bombed, drugged, the whole nine yards in the midst of this, these people partying. And not one time did anybody ever go, Psst, you want some tongues? I got tongues. Do you want some? You'll catch that on the way home. I mean, I lived in that kingdom for a number of years and not once did anybody ever offer me the Holy Spirit with the evidence of speaking in tongues. You know what I mean? They offered me a lot of other stuff, but they never offered me tongues. Amen? You'll get that on the way home, I promise. It's going to be amazing. So that word promise is a legal term that refers to an officially sanctioned promise guaranteed by his own eternal law. So he told them to go to Jerusalem and wait for the promise of the Father. When God makes a promise, he keeps it. And he said that you would be endued. That word endued means to put on, to be clothed. It means sinking into a garment. And then he says you'll be endued with power. Power is miraculous power, might, strength. It's that word dunamis. It means power through God's ability. It is miracle working power that comes upon us to do the work of God. God gives us a job to be a witness, but he says, wait until you're empowered before you start that ministry because you need the power to do the ministry that I've called you to. Amen? The Holy Spirit is miraculous. Amen? <clears throat> Jesus did not perform any miracles until he was baptized in the Holy Spirit. That's it. That's where all the miracles, that's what it is. Miracles are the dinner bell to the world, to the sinners. When blind eyes are healed, when ears are opened, when the dead is raised, that is a dinner bell to the world that God is alive. People will stop and look if that happens. People would watch Catherine Coleman shows, not because they believed in God, but because they wanted to see miracles take place. We believe in a miracle working God, don't we? 
Yes. Is he still doing miracles today? Who's he doing them through? Those of us. Okay. How many of us are baptized in the Holy Spirit with the evidence of speaking in tongues? We got the power. Amen. When we got baptized in the Holy Spirit, we got the power. It told me in Acts chapter two that we got the power. And it says it is for your generation and for generations to come. It never ceases and it never ends. He put us on the field and he empowered us. He gave us his very best. He gave us himself for us to, to, <clears throat> to live in the earth. Luke 24, 48 says, And you are a witness of these things. A witness is one who testifies to the truth that he has experienced. Jesus commissioned the disciples as witnesses, but promised the enabling, I'm sorry, the enabling power of the Holy Spirit to carry out the task. They're not to begin until they receive the promise. How many of you were raised with the thought or the, um, the doctrine of tarrying for the Holy Spirit? We have to tarry for the Holy Ghost. Amen? That is an erroneous teaching about the Holy Spirit. Only one time Jesus told them to tarry in Jerusalem. Why did he tell them to? Why didn't he just give them the Holy Spirit right then? Why did he tell them to tarry? What's Acts chapter 2 verse 1 say? Anybody? Acts chapter 2 verse 1. What's the first line? Why did he tell him to tarry? What's the first line? Acts chapter 2 verse 1. Stop. When the day of Pentecost had fully come. If you'll notice that everything that God does takes place on the same calendar as the feast of the tabernacle. Amen. Everything that takes place happens on a feast. Who was in Jerusalem on that day at Pentecost? Everybody. Why was that? Because three times a year, every male had to report to Jerusalem for these solemn feasts. So Jesus was, God was saying, tarry until the day of Pentecost, which coincides because that's the first fruits offering. That's a picture of what the Holy Spirit is. And the whole city is going to be packed with people. And when this awesome thing happens with the baptism of the Holy Spirit, it's going to be a witness. Everybody's going to see it. Jesus, God, let the bomb of the Holy Spirit go with the greatest human audience he could possibly have. Isn't that cool? He wanted the biggest television audience he could get. He said, I'm going to do it on game seven of the World Series when everybody's watching. What? Oh, it's times game six. I thought you were saying six to nothing. I was going to go, yes, no scores. No scores. Is there a score? No scores. No scores. Are we winning? No. <laughs> Listen to me. You don't have to tarry for the Holy Ghost. You don't have to wait. Amen. There's no reason to come down to the altar in 20 years of just tarrying for the Holy Ghost, praying. We don't have to beg God for the Holy Ghost. Amen. My kids do not beg me for food. Well, they beg me for food, but they, it's not that kind of food. They beg me for the food that we have food, but they always want the food that you don't have. They beg you for that food. We want Whataburger. We want the, they beg you for that kind of food. My children don't have to beg me for hot water. They don't have to beg me for a bed. They don't have to beg me for a roof over their head. They don't have to beg me for an education. I freely give to them because I love them. That's how God is with the Holy Ghost. He freely gives it to his children. He's not holding it back. He's not trying to keep it from you. It's not some wicked game of hide and seek that we play with God. Jesus is the baptizer. Does everybody know that? When you get baptized in the Holy Spirit, it's Jesus himself who baptizes you. All you have to do, and it's just like anything else, when we get come into the kingdom of God, you have to do it by faith. You have to believe. Amen? I was sitting in my chair tonight, and we were in worship, and I'm like, Lord, there's just not a whole lot of people here, but you know what? I'm going to believe. I'm going to believe, not, not for you to be here, but I'm going to believe you for God to be here tonight. 
Amen. All he needs is just a little bit of faith to work with. All he needs is a little mustard seed of faith. If you'll just dare to believe, nothing is impossible to him who believeth. But you have to dare. You have to put yourself in that position of, Lord, I believe that I receive. Amen. I got baptized in the Holy Spirit when I was 12. Uh, Brazewood Assembly of God. Um, I, I guess I had received Christ, obviously, as a child. But I had a lot of wild stuff going on in my life at that time or was starting in my life. Oh, it did. Absolutely. And uh, on a Sunday night, Brazewood Assembly of God, Pastor David Rose was down front. And I can't say that I was, you know, you're 12. <laughs> You're not, it's not like you're moved by much anyway, you know, unless it's recess or Christmas. And uh, I went down front and um, they must have preached about it that Sunday night. And um, he prayed with me and I, I got the baptism of the Holy Spirit that night. Now, did the, did the clouds rip open and did lightning come down and all that? Not at all, but I got my prayer language. And you would think that, man, my life just went up and up and up, but my life went the complete opposite direction. And I spent the next 20 years serving my flesh, but I never lost the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And that's kind of what kept me alive, I think, plus the prayers of a lot of people to that point. Amen? It sustained me over all of those years. Now, I don't know. I think sometimes we have a preconceived idea of what the baptism of the Holy Spirit is. We all want Jesus had, right? We all want to come up out of the water and the sky rip open and... You know, we hear this voice of God, you know, well done, my good and faithful servant and stuff. And sometimes it's just very quiet. It's very personal. It's very interpersonal. But, but we know that we know, right? Amen. I encourage all of us to spend times praying and praying in other tongues. It really is a beautiful thing. Amen. When it talks about building yourself up on your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Spirit, Praying in spirit is you're really praying thanksgiving and thanksgiving is the highest level of faith that there is. I'm not asking, I'm already thanking him for what I already have, whether I have it or not. So I'm already lifting up my praise. Tongues, which is, I'm not going to spend a whole lot of time on it, but we will eventually. But your own personal prayer life of praying in tongues is different than the 1 Corinthians chapter 12 13, 14 tongues where you have a corporate setting where someone gives a tongue and someone gives an interpretation. Amen? A lot of people get hung up with, well, if you're praying in tongues, you've got to have an interpreter. You're exactly right. But that's in a corporate setting. In my own personal private setting, when I am praying in other tongues, number one, the Bible says that I am praying out mysteries. I am praying to God personally. Yeah. Folks, that's sweet. I am praying out the mysteries of God to him directly. It also says that my personal prayer life or my tongue life is for worship and for prayer. I sing in the spirit. I sing in my understanding. I worship in, I worship in my understanding. So when we have this wonderful component through the baptism of the Holy Spirit in our own personal lives to worship God in other tongues. Amen. Now, I want to worship him in my understanding, too, because it's good for us to hear ourselves extolling him and exalting him, telling him how great he is. But I can sing in the spirit. I think singing in the spirit is one of the most beautiful things that there is. When we get in times of worship and we just begin to worship God. Amen. So there is a component of your personal prayer life that the baptism of the Holy, has, the Holy Spirit has. But there is this corporate setting or individual setting where someone will give up and they will give a tongue. Amen. And then someone will come up after them and give an, uh, an interpretation. Now, it's not an exact word for word. It's a snippet of what the Spirit of God is saying out of that tongue. Amen? Someone might give a five-minute tongue, but like a two-second answer of what it was. Yeah. Amen? And when you take tongues and interpretation of tongues, it equals prophecy. And that edifies the whole church. That's what Paul is saying. It's better if one has a tongue and another has an interpretation because now the whole body gets edified. Amen. Amen. If I just get up and just pray in tongues, I'm going to be edified. I'm going to feel good. But you're going to be like, he really looks like he's having fun. <laughs> but I don't have a clue what he's saying. Amen. So there's different uses. We, we take the Holy Spirit. It's kind of like eschatology. 
when you read the book of Revelation, if you try and just read it straight through, it'll confuse you. Because there's things that are happening in the past and things that are happening in the future. There are things happening in the present. There are things happening on the earth and there are things happening in heaven. There are things happening in hell. And you, if you've got to be able to read through and, and not just read it straight through, we do that with the Holy Spirit too sometimes. We try and read him straight through and we get some things out of order and that's where false doctrines and things come from. Amen? That's where all that kind of stuff comes from. Jack, Sir. Sure. There were 500 people that went to the upper room to tarry to wait for this gift. God's not going to give gifts to part-time people. Amen. And he said 10 days and 380 people had something else to do. They didn't want it bad enough. And when God, I think, weeded out the part-time Christians, those playing around, because it's too serious of a gift. Amen? We Amen. Understand that? It's, I mean, salvation is a serious gift, but the Holy Spirit is a serious to think that God is going to deposit his spirit inside of us for the work of the ministry in the earth. He said, you shall receive power. He's not going to give power to a baby. <coughs> Amen? So Amen. if you're struggling with receiving it, I just would, I'd say, check yourself. Are you serious? Because it's a serious gift. Amen. So Jesus told him in Luke 24, 48, he told him to go to Jerusalem and tarry. So they do that. So we go to Acts chapter 1, verse 13 and 14. And it says, and when they had entered, and this is talking about the disciples, and like my dad just said, there were 500 people. And when they entered, they went up into the upper room where they were staying. Verse 14, and these all continued with one accord in prayer and supplication. I always like to say, how would you like to have been person 121? How would you have liked to have been the last guy that walked out of the room and then the Holy Spirit fell? Because there were 500, and like Pastor just said, people left for their own reasons. We waited, we prayed, nothing's happening, nothing's happening. So they trickle out, they trickle out. We're down to 200, we're down to 170, we're down to 160, we're down to 150, we're down to 130. We're down to 125, and you're like 121, and the minute you walk out the room, boom, the Holy Ghost falls. So it says in Acts chapter 2, verse 1, when the day of Pentecost had fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. And that day of Pentecost, like I said, is the annual Jewish feast, also known as the Feast of Weeks or the Day of First Fruits. All the Jewish men had to be in Jerusalem for this feast. With one accord simply means being unanimous. It means mutual consent. It means having one mind and having one purpose. And it says, and suddenly in verse 2, there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled the whole house where they were sitting. And suddenly, and suddenly, and suddenly, when do suddenlies come? When you've done everything that God's asked you to do, you're prepared. That's when suddenly comes. They were all together in one accord, in one supplication. And listen, the more time that we spend together, the more of the same mind we start developing. When I was in Bible school, um, you know, you're in a room with 120 people and you're in there for six hours a day, five days a week, and you had outreaches and services at night. You spent, I spent two years with the same group of people and it was amazing how much unity and how much the more we spent time together, the more we were taught the same things, the more we acted out in faith the same things that we'd been taught, the more we began to think the same way about what the Word says, the more miracles and the more the miraculous began to take place. The more we spent, what happens is, is when the Holy Spirit starts to move, we all have our different thoughts about what it is and what it's not, and who it is and who it's not, and who should get it and who shouldn't, and why is she doing that, and why are they over there, you see what I'm saying? We don't have the unity of the Spirit to be able to hold on to the purity of what the Holy Spirit is. Amen? 
I want West Houston Christian Center to be the place the Holy Spirit calls home. I want, it, I want us to have so much unity in what we believe about the baptism of the Holy Spirit that He can move in here any way that He wants to. Remember, it, it's the, Holy, the Holy Spirit is not the Holy Spirit. It's Holy Spirit. It's He. He's a person. Does everybody understand that? We don't say the Jesus and the God, but we say the Holy Spirit. Amen. He's the third person of the Godhead of the Trinity. He's a person. And I want to make, instead of using the word Holy Ghost, change it to Holy Guest in your life. Amen. I want to make him a holy guest in my life. I want to live a pure life, a good life. I want to live a life that the Holy Ghost is easy just to move in and out of my life. That there's never something that would, that I, I don't ever want to grieve him like the Bible talks about. Have you ever grieved the Holy Spirit? Have you? I, and, and when do we normally do it? When we say something about somebody that we shouldn't have. You ever done that? You ever said something about somebody and you were like, I cannot believe I just said that. And we feel so bad about it. What is that? We've just grieved the Holy Spirit because we've now judged somebody. Amen? So we want to have a pure, we want the Holy Spirit to, He likes to move in. He likes unity. He likes prayer. He loves worship. But we want to make Him feel at home at West Houston Christian Center. Verse 3, Then there appeared to them divided tongues as of fire, and one sat upon each of them. So think about how many people were in the upper room? So how many tongues of fire were there? 120. Isn't that cool? 120 different tongues of fire appeared. And then it says, uh, and they were filled with the Holy Spirit and began, say began, to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Tongues was and is the initial evidence of the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Other tongues simply means a spoken human language unknown to the speaker, but known to others. We'll finish with this. Peter gets up, and he's been baptized with the Holy Spirit. And he says in verse chapter 6 of Acts 2, he says, This is that that was spoken by the prophet Joel. Say, I want that. I want that. What Peter was referring to is what Joel had prophesied about in the last days I'll pour out my spirit upon all flesh. Amen. Peter was quoting the Old Testament and he was telling the men of Israel, this is that. This is the baptism of the Holy Spirit. This is what was talking by the prophet Joel. Amen. Amen. Let's stand up. Hallelujah. Did you learn something tonight? Amen. Well, we will set aside times to, you know, when you come, we'll just prayer at the end of Sundays. If you've never been baptized in the Holy Spirit with the evidence of speaking in tongues, then I want to encourage you to come up and ask one of us to lay hands on you. There's, there's several of us that can do it. There's nothing spooky about it. There's nothing freaky about it. Uh, it is biblical. It is for today. It's for you. Uh, and it will bring an empowerment to your life that if you're missing, if you're struggling with addiction, it can help you with overcoming addictions. The power of the Holy Spirit can. If you're dealing with, um, you know, emotional, you know, anything, anything at all, the Holy Spirit can come into you with, through the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And He can empower you. He can help you. Amen. Fight those things that we're having trouble with. Amen. Vincent. Vincent.